0: the laughing monkey music show how are you doing tonight doug <laughs> i'm
1: doing doing great i love the name the laughing monkey that's awesome
0: <laughs> thank you thank you well the, the the story was real briefly is um they say uh you know what's it about and you say um remember mother love bone uh Andy yeah Wood came up and said mother love bone led uh-huh. zeppelin laughing uh, monkey music that's I my joke it. towards it it's my not but well, uh, it. jeff, it's kind of funny jeff,
1: right jeff jeff gave me gave me a t-shirt when he was in mother love bone and it was uh hat uh what uh, half monkey ape boy or something half monkey <laughs> half, oh half, ass half monkey boy half,
0: half, half ass monkey, boy. monkey
1: boy i have a t-shirt of that
0: that's awesome
1: yeah I, I never got to meet uh andrew but me and jeff were friends back back when they were making their first record he invited me to come out and hang out in san francisco when they were making it and i i i had we just you know king's x wasn't that well-known and i i didn't have that money kind of money just to fly yeah, out well, there yeah and so you know i didn't but uh that's that's yeah uh i've heard so much about andrew it's amazing i heard
0: he was a burning star he was i heard he's just a bundle of energy like positive yeah. just like just you know burned out fast so i like that i saw like pieces of him, you know and i was like i kind of i like the rhythm of that That one two mm-hmm. three punch yeah and it's all three it's all things i like so mm-hmm. it just it felt together it felt musical i don't know well, you have been a very busy man in your career. You are just always doing something. Always. And always, always, always. With COVID going on, and you're saying you do some lyrics, and you've been doing a lot of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any big projects you're working on right now that you're working towards that?
1: Mm, I just finished my solo record uh, about three weeks ago, and I just got the masters mastering done last week. And now we're working on cover and when to put it out and all that kind of stuff. And records and 45s and CDs and you know and the whole package trying to do some cool stuff with it it's going to be on our Rat Pack records um but we'll let you know we're going to spew it out there soon you know yeah Um, let me know and uh, so I've been working I've been working on that for the last couple months actually well actually there's songs I've written for in the last two years because King's X I took 17 of them to King's X and then I took about five of them that Kings X rejected and about eight of songs that we just never got to mm-hmm. and made my own record and got the drummer and played everything on it. And I'm really happy with it. It's, uh, wow. you know, you, you do what you do. I'm 70 years old and I'm going, okay, you know, I'm finally getting to a place where I'm starting to like what I'm doing, which is just a now? good thing. Yeah. I can't I believe I guess... you're
0: 70. I, I didn't realize it. You know that? wow. wow. As I, you know, I was mm. talking to my wife the other day, I'm like, you know, because you, you, you always think of yourself as not your age. Not like you think of yourself as like a teenager, but you don't really mm. think of yourself until you like walk by the mirror. You're like, who's that old dude looking at me? You don't really you know what
1: I'm too. saying? Yeah, so, I see it. So I always
0: feel like I'm in that mindset. And I'm like, I, I was looking at something. I said, he cannot be. Yeah. First off, you, you told totally don't look at it. I'm like, there's no way. Thanks. i like 70. My grandfather couldn't even get out of a chair or something. Like I'm like, you're like rocking out. Oh, wow. I'm like 20.
1: I'm riding my bike and doing aerobic shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't think I was in your shape when I was in my 20s. Oh, you're, bless uh, you. You're, you're in great shape. So thanks. Yeah, you're, I don't feel like sleeping in those, uh, those chambers or something, or I don't know, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's
1: just, I think it's uh, just learning uh, nutritionally, learning what your body needs through years of research and uh, hitting this, you know, uh, everything that would come out that was the new thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, you know, I tried, you know, and I'd read up on and I'd see the pros and cons and take for a while and then stop taking it. And, you know, and through the years and years and years and years of doing it, since I was about 21, I started to get an interest in just nutrition and keeping my body healthy. The biggest reason was, is because all my old relatives were always complaining about their knees hurting, their back hurting, mm-hmm. you know. And I noticed that people got old and they just were miserable. And I went, I don't know I want to be like this. I don't. And so for some reason, in the back of my mind, it, uh, it was just saying, you know, keep an eye on everything. You know, keep an eye on what you're doing. And as a result of it, um, I've been able to keep my body pretty clean from the crap that that everybody eats, that ev- that that causes heart. How- coronaries and all the problems that people are having nowadays I've eliminated those things out of my diet years ago and since I have good genes and my relatives usually live to at least 95 I have an aunt who's 102 right now wow. um we and and uh um uh I would say four of my relatives who are exactly my age are still as skinny as me and they're still looking great um, they didn't take care of themselves well, so you can tell that. Well, that skinny is
0: a different thing, though. You know, I mean, you're, you're he, like you're you're different. You're not, skinny, you're not skinny. You're like you're like lean and muscular. Yeah, well, that's different. what I'm
1: saying. Lean and muscular. That's that's uh, some of my family. They just never gain weight, no matter how old they are. So I'm I'm saying that I got a few relatives <laughs> my age that oh, wow. that are, are still that thin. You know, and I, last time I went home to visit my mom died not too long ago, and I went home and I saw my cousin. Don't. Thanks. I saw my cousin Carolyn and my uncle David, who are my age, exactly my age, and we're the same size, you know, and I'm going, wow, we're we're 68, 69, 70 years old in that bracket. So I was thinking, you know, you know, I want to contribute to all my healthy living and whatever, but, you know, a lot of things is just in your genes and that's just the way it is. Yeah. So when I realized it's the genes, I thought, well, I might as well work on it anyway, you know, let's not take it for granted. Okay. That's that's the whole point, and that's my secret. Oh, that's I guess. Good. You know? <laughs> that's
0: good. I, I just always kind of curious there. I mean, you. Uh, no, you no, no, no. I'm
1: an like, open you book.
0: Have, you have a you have a, you have a, a lot of relatives there. I think that's, you know, I'm kind of surprised. You have you're a, a backstory yeah, there.
1: On my dad's side, and mom's side, both. My dad had seven brothers and sisters, I believe, and they all have kids, and their kids have kids, and their kids have kids, um, and. I didn't know my dad that well, but I know that wherever I run into any of his relatives, I'm told that there's like around 500 of them. And they all come from Lowell County, Mississippi. And, uh, and most of them are in Joliet, Illinois, where I grew up. If you are a Bates, a Pinnock or a Thompson, you were probably related to somebody (laughs) in that family. That's the way it was in Joliet. Um, yeah, I went to the high school I went to, I had seven cousins who were my age that went to the high school on Holy the other God. side of town. Yes, I was on, I lived on the other side of town, this little ghetto. Um, but all my relatives were on the other side. And I have an uncle who's my age. Another uncle is a year younger and an aunt is a year younger. And then the other uncle is two years older than me. And that's my grandmother's kids. My mother and my grandmother were having kids at the same time. My, my grandmother had my mom and she had 16 kids and there was a period of time where they had four kids and my mom had four kids at the same time. It was crazy, yeah. just babies everywhere. So my great grandmother raised me and she had 14 brothers and sisters. She had 10 kids and her daughter, who is my grandmother, had 16 kids and my mother had seven.
0: I am blown away. It's like a nursery rhyme.
1: Yeah. You know, like, you and, saw, like uh, in a giant uh, shoe or something. This is insane. Uh, like my, bro- my brother has six daughters, um, Brad, and, and they're grown now. So they're having babies. My brother Larry lives in uh, uh, um, San Diego, and uh, he uh, married a Mexican girl, and they had have, they have four kids, and all of their kids married Asians. So the kids are a little Chinamen. It's beautiful, you know. I, I, we've got our family. One thing ah. about our family we love is is the diversity in our ethnicity. You know, we always want to see what the kids gonna look mm-hmm. like because we're we're so mixed. And uh, I've got relatives that that look completely white, blonde hair, blue eyes, to people that look like Flavor Flav. You know, that and is- and and we're all in the sometimes all in the same family.
0: <laughs> that is that that that's such a lineage of people. The amount yeah. that's like. I love it.
1: I've always loved it. My my great grandmother raised me and for some reason I got a chance to be uh, uh, around all her 10 kids. And then my grandma's 16 kids or 14. I can't remember now what I've said. And my mom. So so I remember as a kid, the situation I lived in was my great grandmother raised me and my great grandmother had her daughter and then her daughter had my mother and then my mother had me and my great grandmother raised all of us and so i was in that line of i i was in the in the, the big house with my great grandma and, and, and grandfather and here's the family. So I always knew what was going on and I always knew who belonged to who and it just became an obsession with me. Um, in our family, we're pretty much obsessed with gene- uh, of the family tree. Every year we get together, I have a cousin who is a school teacher and he studied our gene- uh, our history for the mm-hmm. last 25, genealogy? 30 years. Yeah, genealogy, I guess. Um, you know, we, uh, we know uh, we had relatives that fought in the Civil War. Um, he found uh, slave uh, documents to prove who bought who from who to help us understand where our family came from. Yeah. You know, in and my, and my dad's side, the same thing happened. His, his, uh, his mom was born in the Indian Reservation. And his, and his dad was half white and half black. His dad was the, the son of the ship owner that brought his mother over from Africa who was captured. So then that's a whole nother side of the family that uh, I know just a little bit about. But it, it's it's pretty, pretty cool.
0: That's really amazing. That is, that's, there's a book in there. There is just.
1: You know, I never thought of that, but I should do that because it's pretty, it's, it's pretty, It's, pretty, it's, it's really exciting. fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating. That's
0: what it is. Like, I could talk about it all night. Honestly, like, to me, I'm imagining all the people. I I love when families mix and, and, you know, different ethnic backgrounds come. We we have, you know, mixed in our family. I love that. And Mm -hmm. because eventually I want the whole world to be one, like, all mixed. Like a a big snow globe, you know, shake it Mm -hmm. all up. So so that's fantastic. And, but yeah,
1: you know, you know, it's funny how society is too, because the darker ones act more white and the whiter ones act more dark, you know, and it's like, it's somehow in society we're still taught there's that we we're, were judged mm-hmm. in the black community. The lighter you are, the more you're judged. Because in black back in slavery, the lighter you were, you got the you got to uh, work in the house or you got the easy jobs because basically you were a part of the slave owner's yeah. family, but wouldn't admit it. But uh, and that became a part of our culture, you know. And then you know you got the other culture where black versus white, so then you got that to pile onto it so so the the race in the black culture, the different shades sort of dictate how you're treated in some ways I've heard in the b- in the black community and in the white community
0: that's horrible I that's remember like horrible I re-
1: oh yeah, I remember growing up as a kid in the fifties. If you were a black doctor or a black lawyer or a black dentist, you almost looked white. Everyone I went to was really light skin with curly hair. And you never saw anybody that was really African, really dark black skin, holding any kind of job that made money. Um, and, and so you can see why the black community had their their nose up and get mad at you, you know, and especially when those lighter skinned people would marry white people and then their kids would look basically white and then all of a sudden the community would shun them but they couldn't live in the white community. So, you know, I would go to school with black kids that looked white but they talked black, they lived in the black community and the white community looked at them as they're black and they you couldn't even get a job if you wanted it, you know, because you were what was it? And back in then, it was if you were one tenth uh, black, then you were considered black, period. And that's the way it was.
0: <laughs> I couldn't imagine that. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's I watch I've been watching a lot
1: of stuff on TV lately since every, we're home and we got time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 there's been a lot of this slavery stuff that came up showing you know, the reality, the stories talking to slave owners and, and, and slaves who are still, were still alive. They recorded a lot of these people before they died. And you hear the stories and, and I mean, there was one story was, can you believe it? There was a black man who owned slaves in the South. Somehow he did it and he had, he was rich and somehow he finagled his way and got that respect. They said he was the worst slave owner ever. They said he treated the slaves worse than anybody. He, they said he treated the slaves so bad that even the sl- other slave owners thought he was a going too far. You know, and then on the other hand, you got this one lady was telling me about the plantation she lived in. She said, they were good to me. She said, they always was good to me. And when I got old, they took care of me. And they put me in a home. And I'll, somebody comes, takes care of me all the time. They've never given me any trouble. And they've always been good to me. You know, and then you got other people who'd say, "Yeah, we had to work in the slave, work in the uh, the field, and sometimes we had to work all night long. And we'd be almost passing out till the sun came up, and we'd get no sleep. and We just have to keep on working." And and this one guy said they used to just throw food in a trough, and they said all the kids and everybody just run to the trough to just grab what they could and try to eat it. He said he said they lived, they slept on the floor. He said they lived like animals. And then other people had other stories, you know. So uh, this one this one family, to end it, this one family, the, the slave owner really loved this one slave and had seven kids by her. So he didn't, they 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 lived in the house and worked for him, but he took care of them. And when he died, he left the plantation to them. And they had to go through all kinds of legal battles to keep it, but they won. They won the place uh, and uh, all kinds of stuff happened. But uh, they ended up leaving. Something happened where... They ended up giving it up, but they did legally win it. You know, I can so imagine was people amazing. around them
0: weren't, weren't too happy about it. I'm sure the. Well,
1: no, not at all. They thought they'd be killed and they would. Probably, probably force them out. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: I, I, I can't even understand just on the simplest level of hurting somebody. Just, mm-hmm. like, just, just, you know what I mean? I'm not saying I, I can't, you know, it's just. I can like, only
1: understand this because when you taught something from, the, from a child, I was taught religion from a child. So I had an attitude that sometimes this hunt this larger than life, like you're going to go to hell. And Daddy too. that's just <laughs> that attitude. And then, you know, and there was like, even growing up when I remember, I'd say, grandma, can I go play with my friend Harlan? He lived across in the field of, down the street, a little yeah. white boy from Tennessee. And I lived in, in Illinois. So he was a Southern kid that came up to live there. And he lived, down the street and my grandma said no you can't go over there and hang out with him uh, i heard his i heard his uncle is in prison so you know it's like people always go the this country has never been more divided it's never changed yeah. you know it's 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 just that trump gave a voice to a bunch of people that have been silenced
0: that's a lot you are not even talking about it, yeah, yeah. who are the rest it, of them
1: it, it, Right, and as much as I don't like it, I can understand if you are suppressed, like black people have been, Indians have been, whatever, Mm -hmm. right or wrong, when you stand up for your rights, that you feel you're right. These people feel the same way. They're not idiots, they're not stupid. You know, they believe something that I don't agree with and believe it's a lot of fake news or whatever. You know, that's my belief. But inside, these people really believe that they got to fight for their rights like a black man would or, you know, an Indian would. So I back up and and I I challenge the world to look at it in that way. And then maybe we can figure out a way to get, to, to meet you know in a way where we can we can understand why a person is who he is and let them be who they are you know I, I, in a, I think that's
0: good that's a very intelligent way to look at it and it's and it's and it's very um outside outside of yourself to look at it and I would say the one caveat mm-hmm. is the other communities, black lives matters mm-hmm. Indian communities are not violent. Are not acting out like that. Right. You can't hold a. um, You you have a point there. It's a color for for that.
1: The acting out. Here's my answer. And I'm going to get hate mail for this. But white privilege makes you forget the severity of doing something. White people get away with more, so they're used to Mm -hmm. it. If black people went up there to to march, they know that if they broke in there, they would be dead. A white person goes in there, they just figure, oh, it's okay, we're white. And they're not saying it and nobody's saying it, but that's in their heads way back. I mean, when I ride down the street and see a policeman and back in Texas, I always got pulled over and most of the time it was for no reason. I have friends, white friends, who be as drunk as they can be flying down the highway and get pulled over and the policeman says, are you drunk? Have you been drinking? And he goes, no, I'm okay. And the police says, okay, we'll be, slow down. And I've lived that and I've been around those people. I'm around people who we talk about the stories. And that's the thing about it is they don't know any better.
0: I've actually Sorry.
1: I, I believe they don't know any better. And the other thing is, too, I do believe that Trump had a big, big part in causing that. You know, when you you incite anger, Martin. if Martin Luther King incited anger with the Black community, it, you know, it would have been a different story. That shit would have been happening, too, but Martin Luther King knew better. But I don't think whoever is leading the whatever you want to call those people, the people that believe that, whoever it is, I don't know if they're thinking correctly. You know, you can, you can have your rights without having to kill for it. I mean, it's, it's not really that bad. Somehow the, the lie has been believed by, you know, the guy who's not, in, not president anymore. And he's been doing that from the beginning. Back when Obama became president, he was priming people putting that seed of doubt and then so, you know my belief and you know i am not going to go to go to uh, i ain't going to die for this or say this is absolute truth but when 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 uh trump went into that into the office with putin and wouldn't let anybody in and wouldn't tell anybody what he's talking about this is what i think happened trump asked him how he was able to remain in power for so long and still be in power and i re- ble- I believe that Trump left and played that book if you go if if you go to Putin's book, he did exactly what Trump did, but Putin was liked by everyone Trump wasn't because Trump was an asshole but but Putin made fake news he he cut down the the uh, the media to the point where now it's controlled by him. you know he did all those things that trump you know, wanted to do, and you know? but Trump is said, as far as I'm concerned, he was too much full of himself to be that much of a genius, even like Hitler, you know, they all, what, what I, I found out is that all those horrible people that wreaked ha- havoc all over the world were charismatic and they won most of the people. Trump couldn't win, but a little under half of America. Thank mm-hmm. God. I have one more saying too. Yeah. Uh, I, I like to say this. I, I I wish, and you know, I I don't know if I could be that persuasive or not, but I would like to get all the 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 one percent that run and own everything. And mm-hmm. I want I want to sit down and say, you know, if you created an environment that made people happy, you would probably make more money. They wouldn't buy it
0: yeah they hold on tight to the money they
1: wouldn't they wouldn't they wouldn't they wouldn't let go of that they don't want to change you yeah, know fear. but I, I fear but the thing is you know there's so much money in joy there's so much money in the being feeling good about yourself there's so much i mean it can be done it's a whole nother market you know and and, I, and it's funny that that they can't capitalize on that instead of violence and killing and funding wars and that's what I'm saying. I mean, if you, you can't change them, so let's d- see if they can direct their bullshit another way, so they can still be the top one percent if that's what they want. But let us have a you know, you know, m- m- make it so we're not so fucking miserable.
0: <laughs> you know, it, 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 the problem is everybody wants to be king of the hill. It's like it's like a think, yeah um, some rats yeah. In, the, in a bucket. Yeah. You know, they, they see that yeah, right. think about one rat is going underwater, and mm-hmm. everybody keeps climbing atop on top the mm-hmm. rat because they don't want to drown. It's literally And, like that is, and that's
1: why it would never work, like you just said.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because exactly. everybody is... I agree is with you.
1: And, and well, I'm, I'm not going to throw that scenario up anymore, but you're right.
0: I'm sorry.
1: No, no, <laughs> no, that? no. But no. That's my because, thought. Because people always go, I wish I could win the lottery. I'm going, do you want to win the lottery? Really? I don't. Do you want to win $300 million so everybody that you know starts hitting you up for money? everybody, all of a sudden you become responsible for everything and everybody and, and all you got lawsuits and and, you know I watched this movie on people who won the lottery and people were murdered and they they got family members that don't talk to them and just, and some of my rock star friends who were not rock stars when I knew them who became humongous Mm -hmm. would could tell me would tell me stories just horrible horror stories of family disputes over their money. You know, because for some reason, when you got a lot of money, people think that you can just give it to them. It's okay. You owe them. You owe them. You, not owe them. Yeah. It, I, it, I think that's what, how do you f- it phrase that though?
0: If it was my you family, it would be to, owe them. You, you, them. That's no changing. You, <laughs>
1: you, know, you don't, No, you owe them because what you do is so easy that you don't have to work hard like I do. That's why you should give me your money. Well, we're family, that's, even though they
0: don't care about it. We're family. Mm-hmm. I hate that one.
1: Yeah, 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 but that—that's how I feel. That. Is they don't they don't understand how hard we work for what we do. We work as hard as as we do, just like they do mm-hmm. for what they do. And and the other thing too is, you know, sadly, you know, in the Bible, you know, blessed are the weak, and blessed are the meek, and blessed are the poor, and all that stuff. So because they're going to get so much good stuff. Well, I was reading. In the Aramaic Bible, the Beatitudes. And it said, it didn't say blessed are the meek. But they took the word meek and broke it down to what it really meant. And it meant those who are powerful. It broke the whole thing down the Beatitude. Basically, Jesus said, blessed are those who stand up. Blessed are those who fight. Blessed are those who are smart. Blessed are those who know how to rightfully divide the truth and do their thing. you know. And he didn't say, blessed are those poor people that can't get their shit together. He left them behind. Even when he was walking around with the apostles and they said, why don't you heal all these people, Jesus? He said, these people will be with you till the end of the time. I got something else to do. And I started looking at that going, because I'm an empathetic person and I just want to save the world. And I had to come to the conclusion that this scenario, this is the only way I can look at it. A dog has eight tits and she has nine babies. One dies, that's life. Everybody's not gonna get fed. Everybody's not gonna get everything that somehow us humans think that we deserve. Some people are gonna live a horrible, tragic, terrible life. That's been going on since the beginning of humanity, maybe more so, or maybe it's more now because there's more people. But the point is, we tout this humanity thing to a place where we forget reality. And that's why we can't, can't, can't come to agreement, like giving people stimulus checks. I want that money, we all need that money it's going to run out and somebody's still going to starve. You can feed everybody today. You can't feed them tomorrow. Or you can feed everybody tomorrow, but you can't feed them today. But everybody's saying, we can fix everything and everybody's going to fix it for me because we are sheep. We want them to fix it for us. Everybody can get up and do something positive to make the world better everybody. And people are so used to the government, to everybody else, or whatever it is taking care of them, to the point where I see a generation of 20-somethings in in that area who have no clue how to do anything. They don't know how to grow a plant. They don't know where flower comes from. You know, I mean, it's like we... we (laughs) And, and and there are a few that do that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying. No, 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 no. no and I want bored. to make that disclaimer. When I say something, I don't mean everybody. I uh, I live with the, it. With the, he's, he's 29 years old and he like blows my mind about knowledge. But when I'm around the majority of the think tank, you know, it's like, you know, come on, people, you know, get up. Uh, you got to put yourself out there. to to get anything and if you're black, you got to put yourself out there double, you know, and if you're, you know, whatever your handicap is, whether society puts it on you or it's physical, you still have to step, try to rise above it somehow and and keep trying. And And if you do, people will grab you and pull you. That's the thing about people. Fighters, people are are are, are champion. Well, champion a fighter, you know, and that's probably why Trump had such a hard time losing, you know. But anyway, well,
0: if you, I think, I think there's, there's two thoughts on that. You're all, you that, Will he, you will straighten me out? Come on. All right, ready. Here's my thought. Yeah. Well, in in the, in the getting ahead of things, there's kind of two, two schools. I thought I think mm-hmm. you got Trump and people that believe in themselves so much that they mm-hmm. believe in themselves so much at the cost of anybody. Yeah. yeah, and usually that could be at the benefit, especially if somebody's in a physical fighter, because there's such a mental game. You're being hit. Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. imagine that myself. I mean, I've enjoyed watching uh-huh. a, a good fight, especially uh-huh. you know mixed martial arts. And have, I've taken the martial uh-huh. arts, but when I get uh-huh. in there to get hit, I don't like getting hit, man. <laughs> no, you touch me one time, and I'm going, I'm done. But, like, I used to actually, I used to go, with with the, I used to fight with a big the, the black, black belt. <laughs> so I'm like, well, let me get hit a few times, so then you're not afraid anymore. But but, but what I'm saying is, then you get the other school thought. If somebody like mm-hmm. you, and, and probably a lot of musicians, mm-hmm. where and a lot of people talk on the show, actually, too. I think there's a trend of people I, I talk to. This, the goal is to talk to people I, you'd have a beer with in your backyard at a party. That's the kind uh-huh. of musician. This so. is the
1: conversation we have. Yeah. And this is exactly <laughs>
0: what it is. That's what it's about. And, and make awareness of the artists, what they're doing right now, is so that people would mm-hmm. you know, support you guys, mm-hmm. would be kindness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And use your creative and kindness. And when you're kind and you work with other people, everyone wants to work with you. Right. And you continue working. So there's that social level, or there's mm-hmm. just the me value. Mm-hmm. Both of them get to the same place. One of them is ugly than the other, and one of you, you mm-hmm. crashes further. Especially if you're just all by mm-hmm. yourself, you'll right. fall by yourself. Mm-hmm. You got to you, find balance. Things, if you do it as as, as a kindness, you're going to have the branches on the tree around you. You're going to you're going to have right. some support. You know what I mean? It, it, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's better. Those are the two. I mean, it's always in the middle, black and white. Yeah, it's it's right, much. That's
1: what I, that's what I strive for too. The middle, and and that's that's true. And um, because both sides could be detrimental to your health, mm-hmm. if you're too nice, which that's kind of been who I've become in the past, and I've been used and taken advantage of death, severely. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, if you go to the other way, it's like you know the mm-hmm. asshole. So yeah, you gotta find, you gotta find, because sometimes I want to be the asshole, and sometimes You'd I go, and I, it, that's what I've learned. Sometimes you you know. You have the right to be in this situation. And he, and he Only in this situation. You think you're but being before that Before you but, do that, think about it and then go but There's after a difference,
0: it. though. When somebody else mm-hmm. is being in what you think you're being, mm-hmm. you guys might be saying, I'm not doing that because you're protecting yourself or you're closing mm-hmm. in. Because if you don't have nothing to offer people, but you mm-hmm. saying that, no, you think that's you being that, that person. When well, it's not, you're probably just drawing a line saying, you know what? It's not bad. Somebody else being that way yeah. is like just cutting you off or something. Right. But you don't do it like in the in the way that it's unnecessary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I won't. I try not you, to. You know.
1: I try uh, not to, yeah. It,
0: it, you know, it's it's good. I mean, you've got a good reputation, you work with a lot of people. You've, you know, that's why you're in so many different projects and bands, because you like to it's not just because you like mm. to work or because whatever, it's who you are.
1: I I, I can never say that I'm I, I've not been loved. I am loved by a lot of people and it really makes yeah. me happy especially if i'm having bad days or i'm feeling down on myself you know we're all musicians and we all have that we all have that borderline or severe self-hate you know okay. and um and when i think about the people that care about me and love me and forgive me for all the things that i think are flaws that they won't even notice um i have to just take a deep breath and go stop beating yourself up at least today you know
0: i think that's a, it's an important message i think and i think people yeah. think that musicians and And rock stars and i hate the word rock star and i also Mm. hate people that aren't musicians i hate if you're not a musician and somebody calls you a rock star you're not Mm -hmm. a musician thank you you you.
1: i've gotten used to it in the last maybe 20 years of doing this and i've been playing you know rock music for 50 years almost and or maybe a little longer and um i just got I couldn't deal with rock star. You're a rock star, rock star. It's a bad word. And finally somebody sat me down and said, Doug, you make music, don't you? Yeah. People know who you are. Yeah. <clears throat> You've played. You've done this, this, this. I go, yeah. And they said, You're a rock star. And I go. Oh. And so <clears throat> I think now, musician. Just for the record. Well, well, well <laughs> no, no, let me finish. So so now when someone I'm doing an interview, someone other than you and says you're a rock star. I'm going, well, yeah, that's what they say. And that's my answer. It's for, fair. You, for you, it's like, no, I don't consider myself a rock star. I'm just a musician who plays music. And luckily there's people that mm-hmm. like me. But to me, a rock star is somebody that's completely full of himself and adorns himself and, and lives his whole life around this persona of, it, of this presentation to the world of I am bigger and, and, and brighter than life. And I feel that that is just the emperor with no clothes on. And one day, everybody's going to, some kid's going to come along and go, mommy, why is he naked? Yeah. <laughs> and then, and the, then the guy will figure it out. Oh, man, everybody's been laughing at me, bro. Or
0: it's they won't. Of... Or sadly, they won't. They're just going to treat people poorly.
1: Exa- exactly.
0: I think that word is just horrible, and I think I hate that people have a term, and And, that was actually one of the catalysts for the show. I've been used
1: as, I've been, they, that's been used as an insult to me by two people in my life that I, that I thought were my friends, and they crossed that line, would say that to me, and I thought, you're not my friend, because it showed me that they were jealous of, of, of me and when I look back at our relationship I realized there it is I look back at everything that they were doing and I'm going wow
0: how I could somebody it. know you like as an outsider I mean we're just talking tonight like we're just hanging out mm-hmm. and I can have an idea of the personality you are and like musically I'm not saying mm-hmm. I know who you are as human but you're pretty much out there and, and in your career and the trajectory of the ups and downs you've had like like one of the like King X is just ridiculously talented. I mean, and, and, and it's a part of your side. It really is. I mean, it's it's just thanks. And at the same time, it's it's you know, like a lot of unfortunate bands I work with aren't huge. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you to, I mean, the albums. The fact that work comes out, it's going to stay there. It's like you know, it's going to be at the first it's Like twenty-four-seven spies. Yeah. The same thing. What the hell? Really? I was like, Faith the More made it. Scatter yeah. We're scattering. Yeah. Twenty-four-seven spies. Yeah. Where's exactly. King's X? I mean, like. But I, I was my thought. But anyway, you know, work ethic you put in as a musician through those years and the fact you, you know, you're doing a solo and you're doing this and you're doing that. You know, you're not a rock star. You told me earlier, you're at UPS or you're at FedEx. I mean, you're the moth. That's what people do. That's what humans do. And also, if you're a hairdresser, somebody calls you a rock star, you're not because no one calls a rock person a musician. You're a hairdresser.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we got to get a new name for other people. You know, yeah. good job at a boy there you go but uh i, I, I do want to say um one of the, creatively and i don't i haven't ever heard a lot your album covers mm-hmm. from the king's X. let's talk about a few of them they're so mm-hmm. good i don't i don't ever think like who who came up with, i mean actually i hope I mean, a cover name, and name, out, like,
1: name a cover now all right Absolutely. i'm gonna tell you
0: first i'm gonna tell you my one of my favorite is ear candy and i know that's not always everybody's favorite album i actually like the album mm-hmm. a lot too Thanks. But, 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 um, the
1: reason the reason we have that cover, that was that was my idea on this one. Um, I remember we were talking about covers and I said, you know, I love our crumb and I love Hate Ashbury and those mm-hmm. those uh really cool Mr. Natural post post psychedelic. Yeah, yeah, I I
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: And and so someone at Atlantic suggested, well, we can get a hold of the guys that did those posters. Mm-hmm. And I go, have them make us a poster i mean uh album cover and so they just sent them our name and they made the cover and sent it to us and we all went wow it, it looked just like an old hit Asbury cover and that's, did you and have the concept for that
0: though
1: huh yes yeah, so, well i uh I, it was my idea but i had no concept we just we just told them we want a cover and they just took our logo and made it up themselves
0: That's fantastic. I mean, obviously some of them you have pictures of the band. Those are, you know, nice pictures.
1: Yeah, on the back, on the back, I remember we did a photo session, and um, uh, next door to where we rehearsed at in Houston was this place that they had a couch and a porch, and it was all this graffiti all over it, and I think it was somebody's home, but, uh, or apartment or something, but a bunch of kind of hippie kind of people live there that's that's in the area that's where it was mm-hmm. downtown and we were walking down looking for pictures a to take pictures and i said hey man let's take a picture up here on their porch and so we knocked on the door and said, hey man can we take a picture of an album car and I said, yeah just as long as we get to see the picture and so we did <laughs> and that's what that was you know that was like around around the corner from where we rehearsed we, were, we would walk down that street to this little uh, restaurant called the last cafe the last concert cafe they had concerts there at night but during the day was a mexican restaurant but you had to knock on the door because the door was always locked it was always full of people but when you walked up the door you knocked and somebody came and opened it you could be sitting at a table when the door knocks and you just get up and open it but that's the tradition in there it's texas that is
0: that is really crazy texas is, has some is,
1: cool stuff
0: that is that is crazy all right how about um Oh, how about like, your last album? Oh, how about or- Org Tones? How about that one? Where it looks very Celtic, sort of, in a way, without you, you know, it, where you say it. What is that?
1: I think we use the. What does that album
0: look like? It's it's green, got the brown circle sort of in the middle, and King's X in the middle of it. It looks like, like a uh, sun type of like, stars shooting out from the side Yeah. Of it. um, it's a little different than what you normally have because it's more yeah, of I... just like.
1: Yeah. I remember we, I named, I wanted to call the record Ogre Tones. Ogre, oh, I'm yeah. But I don't remember, I don't remember the cover, or who did the cover at all. Wow. But I remember, I remember we were doing, we were writing songs, we were doing songs, and we didn't have names for certain songs. And we called everything Ogre, Ogre this, Ogre that. It was just, that was just a running name of every track that we did. And when we in Ogre Tones sounded so cool. And I kept saying we need to name the record Ogre Tones. And I got my wish. That but the great. cover the cover I don't remember. That's all right.
0: So, you're allowed, you're allowed that.
1: If I saw it, but yeah. I, but but for me to try to pull it up on a yeah, I It's too much trouble. It's all right.
0: That's all right. How about tape it?
1: Tape it, ha. <laughs> well Ty had an idea that said he said, when I remember when we were talking about album cover, he says, Doug, I got this idea. He said, let me take, uh, let me use your face. And he said, let me tape, take a whole bunch of tape and tape it all the way around your face. And then take a picture of it in my, in my front porch in the, uh, that little indentation. So, and he says, and I'll, I'll do something to it to make it look freaky. And I go, okay. So he wrapped my face with tape and took the picture and it's called Tapehead.
0: That's really great. I I think it's. it's, uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think some of the fun part, some of the album covers you guys have. You know, I was like, uh, um, was, uh, well, please come home, Mister Bulbas. Please
1: come home. That's Ty too. Ty had the idea. He said he kept mentioning this. He says, dude, we should name the album "Please Come Home, Mister Bulbas." He says, I know it sounds stupid. I don't know what it means, but I like it. And me and Jerry both just loved it. And we says, what are we going to do for a cover? And he says, I'll come up with something. And that's what Ty said. And he did. He came up with that picture with the guy with the bulb on this, And he yeah. said that he had this idea with a guy with a bulb head, Mr. Bulbus. And we thought that was just <laughs> ridiculously stupid. So we said, let's go for it. Because one thing that King's X will always do, if we think something is really goofy and stupid, we'll do it. Not... Not something that's stupid in a way that's gonna make us look like idiots, but something that's just, just so ridiculously odd is that is that borderline stupid, you know, well, where we laugh and laugh.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I like them. I think that it's one of the fun parts about, especially in a day and age where albums mm-hmm. and album covers. I mean, I know these yeah. are also CDs. now but, Manning. But one of my Manning, things, Manning, I love that. Yeah.
1: Oh, cool. Manning Moonlight was the worst cover we've ever made. I think I want to venture to say all three of us would agree. That's just a horrible cover. Just horrid. I can't find anything. <laughs> oh, where'd That's it come from? Cover. Um, Ty, Ty made it up and Ty doesn't like it either. He told us one day and I remember him telling him and it says, oh, good. And, but, but the thing was when he came up with it, we said, sure. It made sense to us. The thing about making that record was that we were in a position where we thought that nobody cared about King's X, and basically our career is over, and we were barely making enough money to pay bills. And we had this last record deal with Metal Blade Records, and we knew we had to make a record, and we had no real inspiration. We were just beat, but we knew we had to make a record. So we went in... and just kind of threw a record together as best we could and put as much heart into it as we could with this defeated attitude and there were some good songs on that record don't get me wrong i thought that we we we, 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 we i mean i look at those the, that record and go man the way we felt about everything in our lives i'm a, i'm surprised we got this out of it you know like believe yeah, was I, like I'm going that I love that song and I thought, where did that come from? Because we sure didn't believe in ourselves. And uh or like Skeptical Winds that went on for five minutes, and I said, you know, maybe we should turn into verse chorus, verse chorus, and end it. And Ty goes, just let it go. And I go, Well, what do you think people will think? You go, Well, oh, maybe they'll just dance to it. And we'll go, All right, let's just let it keep going. And it's some, some people's favorite song, you know? So the thing about us is everything we do is thought out. It, whether we took time with it or not, we put care into it or didn't, it was still done deliberately. And as a result of it, it's art. Does that make sense?
0: <laughs> it is. It almost sounds like in that album, you were actually letting yourself out of what you thought, you felt like you had it to, do was acceptable in mm-hmm. songwriting. You're like, you know what? Got nothing to lose here. Let's just right. Do this. Let's nothing just do it. Kind of, you know, mm-hmm. either for fun or for art reason or for whatever the reason it is. Let's just kind of let's just do it. Which, yeah. looking back, probably is probably you know what creatively it's kind of fun. Yeah. You know, even your your what you call your worst album is probably better than a lot of people's best albums. So I mean, your your I album.
1: Remember, wrong. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I'm listening. I, I keep no, cutting it. in on you. Sorry that's about right. that. But I remember making Mr. Bulbas in um. I forgot what the train of thought was because I cut you off and I was thinking about how I did that. Sorry, I forgot what Are I was you talking about me.
0: the? It looks like there's a baby coming off underneath behind a tree in that album cover, <laughs>
1: <laughs> lighting a candle. Is that <laughs> what it is? What's going on there? Can you
0: tell me? This is uh, the oh, time to tell what? me.
1: Mr. Bulbas? No, no, no. The,
0: the Manic Moonlight. We kind of skipped that. It looks like there's a baby coming off oh, behind de- the candle. Honest, to, honest
1: to God, you'd have to ask Ty about that because he literally made that cover up. And he showed us three covers and that was the least... That was the best of the three. I've never looked that
0: close to it. You just said that. I just pulled it up down here, my my tablet, uh, and just opened up. Like I'm like, it, it looks like a little person with a candle. Yeah,
1: yeah. I thought that was kind of weird, and but we didn't know. I, I don't know. Like I said, we were really, we were really at a place where we were completely fatigued, spiritually, mentally, physically, and monetarily, and so we were just crawling, trying to create something. That that was at least something that people wouldn't just just turn their backs on us forever for, you know. And people even to this day say that's their least favorite record. And even though other people um, uh, defend us, I have to be honest and say I understand why. You know, it. I've always you been have honest to have one with. Now. Yeah, you can't have 100 yeah. yeah.
0: every good album because there's no such thing. You can't. What well, most, have to have the most least
1: favorite. Of, most of my favorite bands put one record out. That's the greatest thing in the world and the rest of them are okay. I think we, we were lucky. We got Gretchen in Dogman. So I, I go, whoa, you know, and uh, um, that's why I've always looked at it. I hope our new record I, I would throw Ear Candy in there
0: also, like if you're talking to your top ones, I'd say Ear Candy and, and actually, I, and I also have a soft spot for, for, for Tapehead myself. Oh, that's why I brought it up. I, I do. Well, I, I love
1: Tapehead and Ear Candy in a way uh, of those were records that really were really us. You uh, feel tape off Head, the beaten path a little bit. Y- yeah. Tape, ta- well, Tapehead, um, we wrote almost all those songs together. Um, and I remember that Ty and Jerry, after we got done with all the music, they left the studio and said, Okay, make up some lyrics. They said, Send us what you got when you're done. And they went home. And I stayed in that. In my studio for a month, and and made up lyrics and melodies and harmonies. Um, so I worked really hard at that, um, but the songs uh, were just fun, you know. But uh, uh, and the one before that, Tapehead. What happened with Tapehead was that was, I don't know if Ty feels that way, but I but I think he did. But that was our last attempt at writing a hit hit songs to get a good song on the radio because that song was full of hit songs. Sometimes in Mississippi moon, uh, 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 run. I mean, every song was tailor-made to be played on the radio as far as our attitude was. And it was just overlooked. And so we went, well, fuck that. Let's go home and uh, do tape ed and just write everything together and see what we got here. You know, because at that point, there was, I mean, everybody was bringing in these done Soon"s, a box, you know, all those songs. Uh, I remember a train and just things that we all brought in where I'm going, these are like, these can be played on the radio. All, I think even 67 stations, I saw a video in my head, you know, but, um, you know, that, that record was completely overlooked. So, yeah, we moved on.
0: It was interesting. So, you guys wrote and then together, and now you mm-hmm. said this last album, you guys all wrote separately again. Yeah. You guys, you guys sort of started well, separately. That well, so am t- correct, right? You guys started separately writing your songs no. together? And then...
1: No, the beginning of the band for the first uh, for a few years, I wrote everything. Um, I just, you know, Kings X was kind of my idea, and I had a bunch of songs already written. And and um, when we started, they were just doing my songs, and we'd do what we do. And then Later on, early in our career, Ty started writing songs and jerry Jerry didn't start really contributing until way later uh he just felt like we didn't want to hear the songs and we we did, but we probably had we were we were young, maybe we didn't I don't know um but so and it's a, I've always been the guy that's wrote i've been writing even, I mean, I was 30 years old when Kings X started. And since I was 18, I've been writing songs and doing it in bands that I was in. So that's just something I always did, play guitar park uh, keyboards, whatever it was, I made everything up. And, and I was around people that seemed to just let me do it and they just did what I wanted to do. I, I controlled everything, didn't realize that. But I was just so full of music that you just had to come along with me. If you didn't want to do it, then you'd fade away yeah. and yeah. I'd yeah. find somebody else. You know, I was a pretty dominant person. And in King's X, um, uh, Ty, you know, Ty kind of stepped up to the plate instead of, you know, saying, hey, man, you know, hey, you ain't got it all. And, uh, and so we started to balance things out as brothers and the rivalry and we pushed yeah. each other. And things like that and so by the time we got to the first Kings X record me and Ty were running neck and neck and writing songs together I mean apart from each other Um, and for the first probably four maybe five records we wrote probably the same amount of songs on every record I think Sam did that on purpose too he wanted to make sure nobody got any more than the other he was he had this ZZ Top mentality that no one got more credit. No one got to be the rock star of the band. Nobody got anything. You had to be like ZZ Top. Everybody yeah. does it together. Nobody separate.
0: Mike, be why so have 15 he... albums now, though.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, for us, you know, everybody, you know, it was, it was weird because, you know, I find out later a lot of people wanted to talk to Doug, you know, and. And Ty and Jerry would say, you know, go talk to Doug. That's who you want to talk to And But, you know, in our camp that was shunned by management, especially And and so we just kind of even things out. There were so many things that Kings X did that maybe hindered our, our fame because of our manager Sam at the time who thought that he had the next Beatles or U2 and thought he could control everything from the beginning. I mean, I remember when we were asked to do David Letterman on Faith of Love album. I think it was Faith of Love album. And um, Paul Schaefer's band always played along with the band. You didn't hear it. You but and Halen.
0: I mean, yeah, exactly. Helen Halen
1: did it. Yes. Sam turned him down and told us that he said within a year they'll be doing what we want him to do. That he had, he was, he really thought, and he and I found later, you know, through the grapevine and through the industry people that had to deal with them. yeah, he was one of those guys that really played us. And he played the cards, and they didn't... What happened Amazing. was people didn't buy us. People didn't buy our music. That was the bottom line. Those who loved us, love us. Those who... There's hardly any haters, and that's a kiss of death. Even the record company would tell us, You know, either they love you or they hate you, but complacency is a kiss of death. And with King's X is people, the handful of people love us when you go see us. Every time we play just about with anybody, but, you know, ACDC and Scorpions or something, you know, but just about everybody we play with live, we would pound the crowd's brains out. We would sometimes, I would say, steal the show people would freak out that nobody bought the records. And that's the way it was. So it's like, wow, standing ovation in Paris with ACDC. And then we walk away and we don't play in Paris for 25 years because we can't get a gig.
0: You know, it's crazy. Even crazier is, and obviously you've lived it, mm-hmm. to see like, so they're they're rocking out to these same songs that are on the album. Mm-hmm. I've seen you guys many times live. You guys mm-hmm. sound as you pull off the entire album. So it's not like if you sound different, like it's, oh my God, it's a different sound. They sound, mm-hmm. the, the timing's different, the rhythm's different. It sounds so close, you know, but live. So there's not like the albums are anything different. You're just taking home an extra part of the, it. Mean, there's no difference. Right. That's why it's even crazier. Like, I mm-hmm. love the now songs, I was, so they love the shows. Yeah.
1: I, I, I never understood. But the thing is, I don't like the records either. I put them on and I just think they're, look. And so the early records, uh, and maybe it's because of how the controlling of our manager and all the pressure we were under. But those first four records, uh, it's hard for me to listen to them. And if someone doesn't like them, I can agree with them. I can embrace them. I go, I get it. I don't like them either, you know. And and Doug, it's give yourself a hug because give yourself a well, hug for those albums, Doug. Well, I wish I wish I could I I wish I could like them. But here's the thing: I've dealt with that. That's the good. The good thing is. I know those records, those songs are some good songs and touched a lot of people. You know why? It's because I write lyrics out, handwrite lyrics to that songs that I've written. And I'll Never Get Tired of You, A Box, uh, Believe, Over My Head, uh, World Around Me. Mm -hmm. I think those are the five songs that I write the lyrics of the most. But what gets me is when they ask me to write lyrics out, then I'm writing lyrics out, reading what I wrote, which is thirty years ago, maybe forty years ago, and I'm going, "Oh my God, it's like you were who were you then, what you were thinking, what you were feeling, and it's, it's just like it helps it helps me appreciate what I was writing at the same time, then not to hate it, but to go this is this is." Some of this stuff is good poetry, you know. This, some of this stuff is some clever things. You you doing it? I mean, when I write something, I try to write. I mean, there's nothing new you can say; just a new way to say it. Sometimes well, the Beatles new way to, already for us exactly. exactly <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. So sometimes a new way to say it isn't good, and then sometimes a new way to say it is like makes you smile and go, "Yeah, I never heard, thought about it that way." That's well, how I write songs. I want people to go. Oh, I never thought about it that way. Um, that's the only thing I can go on because there's nothing new. There's nothing else you can say. And I don't want to be pretentious and think I got something to say. I just want to be artistic about it. And that's what I love. So when I read those, some of those lyrics, I go, oh, well, you were doing some of that stuff back then. So quit beating yourself up. That's why I say that. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning some of the things in the past. How oh, that wasn't as bad as you thought it was, that was Why do you, you know? It wasn't. It, it was it, that, it's a time in fact, that was, Yeah, I
0: mean, seventy-year-old Doug looking back at you're you're your looking at your adult brain now. Mm-hmm, who you are? Yeah. That mm-hmm. lyrics back then. That's not who you were mm-hmm. back then. Right. How could you judge that? It's two different things.
1: I did. Now I look back and go, wow. You know, I'm I'm accepting it, and it's fun almost in a way to uh, just smile and go what was the big deal you know what why did you why were you so had such a problem you know and I laugh about it and and that's all you can do now you know is laugh and enjoy it enjoy it because for my whole life I've never enjoyed what I do I do it cuz I'm driven and the reason why I haven't enjoyed it is because growing up in the evangelical world the the side the the severity of what i was taught was that you're nothing you're nobody don't think you're anything don't take a compliment don't ever think that you did something great pride cometh before a fall keep your mouth shut you know the and the last thing was if you think you're somebody and you walk into a room where there's a whole bunch of people that are somebody and they're all sitting at a table and there's an empty chair and you go sit in it because you think you're somebody. You should wait until they ask, you are somebody, why don't you sit in that chair? Because somebody who might come in who is somebody and they say, you should get up, you're not somebody. And so what I do is I stay in the back and if somebody goes, that's Doug Penny, get up here, I will go. But I will not march up and go, hey, I'm here, everybody, because that's what I was taught. As much as I'd like to go up and go, hey, you know, you don't do that. And um, but that's that's what I was taught all my life. So that's my approach. And people go, you're humble. And I go, no, I was beat down and told that if you act anything other than that, they're going to make fun of you and they're going to not like you and they're going to disrespect you and blah, blah, blah. And so it became a part of my personality. And it, I mean, it's who I am. Um, and I've learned, I've been learning lately to stand up for my who I am to stand up when someone is being shitty to me and, and to stand up and say, yeah, I'm a badass fucking bass player and a badass fucking yeah. singer. I'm 70 fucking years old and I've been doing this for a long time and I am good. You know, if you're, when you get to my age, I don't care who you are. If you've been doing what you've been doing all your life, you're good. Whether somebody likes you or not. I mean, go see ACDC. Oh my God. It's like same song, same notes, 50 years or more. I don't know how long they've been together. It feels, so see, it feels so good. But, huh? It feels so good. It feels so Good. And, you know, the yep. cool thing is, too, is, you know, back in the 90s, when we were really out there doing stuff, I got to see everybody play. We were playing with people who at the BuzzFest or rock concerts or whatever. So I was always out listening to music. And then all of a sudden, we got, what, 30 years later, these bands come out like garbage and go down the list of all those bands. Uh, and, and I go see them now. They're all in their 40s and 50s even the bands that I don't like, and I stand and watch them and I go, this is a good band. It's like, yeah, that song on the radio, we all laughed and said, that was crap. But right now, they've been playing that song for 30 years and they ruled right now, you know? And I go, that's the way it is with music is. A lot of young people think that it's over by the time they get 25 or 30 and they haven't made it. You, You ain't no good. You know, you got to I mean? keep going. I mean, even, I mean, just speak, I mean, just think. I, I, as an older person at 70 years old. I look back at Jimi Hendrix and I look back at Led Zeppelin and I look back at all those bands and listen to them and go, when I was that age in the 60s, same age as Eric Clapton and all those folks, I went, oh my God, those guys are unbelievable. Yeah. Now I look back and listen to them going, "Ooh, they weren't really that good but they wrote some great songs and they had a lot of energy and attitude. And as they got older, they got better and better. I mean, I watched uh, uh, like uh, uh, Santana doing, uh, Carlos Santana doing uh, uh, Soul Sacrifice at Woodstock. Oh my God. It was, people going, oh my God, oh my God. I'm going, that is so primitive. It's like, he barely could get through it. Now you watch him play. (sighs) Same notes, Mm -hmm. same execution. You get goosebumps. And I, I remember seeing, who was it? Nancy Wilson, the, the black jazz singer. She was like 80 years old when I saw her sing one time on TV. She sang one song. She had this husky, deep voice. And every note she hit, every phrase she sang, I got goosebumps. And I went, oh, that's a woman who has been singing a long time. I remember I remember seeing uh, Aerosmith, too. And when they went living on that. Edge and they hit that edge and hit that note together. Me and my friend was standing on the side of the stage and we looked at each other and said, "You can tell that band's been together for a long time. Mm-hmm. The tightness was like, you know." So anyway, I'm babbling. You're going no, to sleep. No, actually, on me? I, no. Actually, I was, <laughs> I I was actually uh, my thought.
0: My thought was this: is as a, as a horrible as a horrible musician myself. One of the things I've learned, and, and this is leads into your Jimi Hendrix thing. Mm-hmm. Just myself, it's a re appreciation. Yeah. A song that you may have heard a million times on the radio. You're like, I get it. I've heard it. Life in the Fast Lane, mm-hmm. whatever. You just, I'm just singing a song you've heard a lot on the radio, not disparaging. I them, but... think
1: Life in the Fast Lane is a well, No, my point songs.
0: is, my, <laughs> my, my, and actually trying to play a guitar is getting a new love for it. My point is something you've mm-hmm. heard a million times on the radio, classic mm-hmm. rock radio grown mm-hmm. up. Then you sit down, and you're like, oh, that rest it for me. I'll just try it because I'm just noodling around. And you mm-hmm. start seeing how the song's put together, and you're like, damn, these guys are brilliant. Mm hmm. This, this is so simple. It's brilliant. Who I'm saying you get mm-hmm. an appreciation on a different level of a song. Yeah. That's that was a long journey with mm-hmm.
1: that, that point of mind. Oh, I agree.
0: I agree. And this I was, I was wa-
1: I was. How about that? Sorry.
0: No, so that's that's what I'm I, saying. Your covers are so fantastic. You've done so. <clears throat>
1: Thanks. I watching you two do this one song, one of the biggest hits, which I hated. I loved you two for the first four records, and after that. They learned how to write pop songs and I didn't care anymore. And they were writing this one pop song that was huge and everybody loved. And I remember I was watching the documentary of them and Edge was on the piano and he played those simple chord prog- that simple chord progression. Uh-huh. He inverted it 12 different times. Till he found the right. It was a da 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 or da 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 I mean, he mathematically kept going till he found the right one, and when I listen to it, I'm going, anybody can come up with that, but that's not what he did, and that, and that's something I don't understand. I want to, and I I would venture to say that that could be one of the reasons why we never had a hit. Because when I write a song, I think Ty is the same way. We don't want to do the thing that everybody else does. We want want to fuck it up somehow. And to a point where sometimes, well, most of the time, the average person won't listen to it. When I went to my first music theory class uh, in college, I didn't last in college very long, but um, I had a music theory class that took One semester of 101 Music Theory. The first thing the teacher said was, if you don't learn anything else, know this, all music is made, what is it? All rules in music are made to be broken. And from that point on, that's probably has been what I try to do is anything I come up with. I try to see if I can put something odd there or, or take it somewhere where you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't would you go. You're
0: ashamed of a pop song, of a good pop song. You're like, Oh, it sounds too, too commercial. I I'm do not
1: ashamed. To do I'm not ashamed of it. I want to write the greatest pop song ever, but I want to, I want to do it in a way that I, I know what I'm doing it, because I can, I can write a pop song from what I think is a pop song, then throw it out there and hope it's a pop song, but I want to write a song and, ha- and be able to say like what Chris said, Chris Cornell said to me when I said, man, Black Hole Sons, you wrote a fucking great song. He goes, mm-hmm. yeah, I knew it. I knew it was going <laughs> to be a hit song. And I thought to myself, how do you know that it's going to be a big hit? He didn't say I hoped. He knew it. And there's other people. I mean, I, I know, uh, you know, Mick Mars, I talked to him and he knew. And a lot of my friends who have huge hits, they would say that to me. And I used to wonder, how do you know that? I don't know how to know that, because if I said, this is going to be a hit, I would immediately beat myself up and go, oh no, pride comes before a fault. So I would never even be able to deal with it.
0: Yeah. A couple of things, I mean, not the hits that come out of nowhere, you're like, whoa, I didn't expect that one coming. <laughs> but, you <laughs> yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. All right, so the last few things I want to talk about is something, you've got a lot of side projects, and I know was it the, the Uh, We did you call it solo album? Was Shall it I name them all? <laughs> no, no, there's enough time in a day for it.
1: <laughs>
0: but I will say, I, I do want to touch on something because, um, you didn't originally do solo albums because your first couple albums were at a different name. Really yeah, saw. Pound
1: Hound. Pound Hound. The reason I did that was because when Foo Fighters came out, it was all Dave Grohl, and I thought mm-hmm. that was so cool to be able to name put a name on, on it instead of saying Dave Grohl. You know, and so I thought, I'm not going to put out Doug Penny solo. I thought, I'm going to call it Pound Hound. You know, and I got Shannon Larkin and, and uh, Jerry Gaskell and mm-hmm. Chad, Chad, uh, a friend of mine. What's this, Chad's last name? I've forgotten. I play drums on it. Shannon Larkin plays with Godsmack now.
0: Godsmack and, uh, yeah. and uh, Rat- Ugly Ratchild. Kid Joe, right?
1: Right? Yep, Ugly Kid Joe and Rathchild. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So uh, that first record. The second record, I think Jerry... Played drums on it, and that was it. And then I put out Emotional Animal, which was Doug Pinnick, and Jerry's son played drums on that one for me. And then Emotional, yeah. And then uh Strum Some Up, I wanted to put a band together. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to play bass on it. I wanted to play guitar on it, actually. Just so I got my buddy Wally Farkas to be the other guitar player, which is way better than me. I knew he would hold it up. And I got uh, uh, Dave Hennings from Big Wreck to play bass. And I and he said, shall I use my fingers in 12 string? I go, no. I said, play that old P bass and play it like your Willie Weeks, you know. And so he picked that bass up with dead strings and picked up his fingers and plugged into an SVT. And that's why the bass sounds like it is not me at all. And I didn't want me. Um, and I just played rhythm guitar uh, on it um, and sang. And I had a lot of people come in to do leads and... In background harmonies, from Hal Sparks to L L L. God, what's L? No, it's uh. Well, anyway, I got a bunch of people came in. Kelly Scott from Failure played drums on it, and and That's and cool. uh, Ray Luzier played on a couple songs too. I forgot.
0: Well, oh, there you go. That's a a way in, huh? Yeah.
1: And then then after that, what was it? There was uh, PGP with uh, Eric Gills and Thomas Bridgen. We did
0: two records. That is one of your yeah. few albums that sounds less like you. I mean, it sounds like you, but it has the less. Cause when you write a lot, King's X sounds like you. Your soul yeah. stuff sounds like you. That yeah. one has more of a mixture, though.
1: Yep, that's because you have three domineering people who, uh, uh, who right. will not, who are not going to do well. Bottom line is, well, the songs that I brought in there, they went a certain way, and as soon as I showed played the song to Eric, he did it his own way. There was you no know, you just do what you do. They they put their own flavor to everything that I wrote. I would that say
0: I that, that they had their own sounds and yeah they what, had separate their own sounds, sounds, sounds were and they worked together but whereas all you guys at Kings X, all your sounds that you guys have, the three of you, mm-hmm. they kind of blend together. They kind of are kind of the right. sound. this band didn't those guys all had their own sounds.
1: Yep. And uh I and I you know it was what it was. I wish we 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 did both of those records in 15 days it, consecutively I guess that's a word for it and um uh how do you write 15 songs and mix it write record and mix in 15 days, Eric.
0: I would say a scarface pile of uh cocaine. I don't know. I don't know. How well, to... well, ah, poor Eric. well,
1: Well, well, actually for for Eric it was. Now he's clean. Oh, I was just now. joking. He's no, no, <laughs> no. He's, he, he's fine now, but I won't even go into the the the, the mom oh, I'm glad I he mean, is. Oh, I mean the first day he was on the floor. He couldn't get up cuz he was up all night doing cocaine. That was the first day and he just said y'all yeah, just get, put the rhythm tracks down. I'll get it. And finally, around seven o'clock, he finally could sit up and because he had been doing cocaine all night. And I remember I'd wake up in the middle of the night hearing this one riff and for hours and hours, I'd go back to sleep (laughs) because we stayed in the same house and. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, he was always like that back in the day, but now he's fine. He's that doesn't happen anymore. But even the songs on those records about I've been up all night, can't those are true. What happened was 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 Mike Barney wrote those songs and wrote those lyrics really? during while we're making those records. And I remember one time Eric went into the in there to sing and he goes, oh, man, these, these lyrics are a bit personal. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and Mike, and Mike says, well, it's, it's the truth. And he goes, well, all right, all right, I'll sing it. You know, and he would sing it. And uh, bless his heart. I love that guy. I love That's him. I've known story. Eric since he was 16. He, his God, band he so opened talented, for us huh? when he was oh, His band opened for us, went on tour a couple of times when he was 16. He had to leave the club after he walked off stage to stay on the bus. We go God, way back.
0: So talented. So talented. Yeah. Man.
1: But then KXM so came along. Then KXM came along. Oh, and Grinder Blues. But Blues Band is called Grinder Blues. We are like ZZ Top in Drop B, basically. In <laughs> early ZZ Top, not, you know, she got legs. Yeah, I, but believe, and I Trace, know, I know. Trace, Trace, um, uh, Trace Ombre. And, oh, and then there's Trace Onf Mountain with uh, Jeff oh, Amy yeah. from Pearl Jam and, uh, and Richard Stuber. But uh, KXM, We've got three records on. I can't remember now, but uh, we're getting ready to work on a new one. Um, Ray sent me some drum tracks, and George is sending me ideas, and we're all just talking. How did about... you end with
0: George? Because, I mean, the album, like, that's another thing. No, the sound of that album is really interesting yeah. because George sounds a little bit different for his playing, too. Yes. Not the ordinary yeah. George. Usually yeah. you hear jo- George is going tell you that.
1: I was talking to George a couple of days ago about this too. And he's a, he's a different kind of guitar player. He likes to, he likes to, he, when we first started this band, I made a suggestion and said in this band, since all three of us really have been doing this for a long time. And we, you know, I think we know what we're doing. Let's not tell anybody what to do or write anybody's part or even suggest anything. I said, let's just write together and trust each other. And that's what would happen. It was like Ray would sit down and he'd be testing his drums and he's doing this drum beat thing, a pattern. And I go, dude, play that again, play it a couple times. And all of a sudden I find my bass line in there. And then we just stop and go, George, check this out. What can you do with this? And George would go, huh? <laughs> and he and he just go, and he'd look at us like, huh? And we go. That's it, you know. And he go, well, "How about this instead?" We go, "No, do the first thing you came up with. That is cool." And he goes, "I don't remember what I did." Chris stops and goes, stops. He stops. He goes, "I remember what it was, George." And he comes in and he shows him because Chris and George work together. Chris is the engineer, and he yeah. watches everything that George does and remembers everything he does. I'm and we go, like everything. that." He literally he records it too, and and then we're sitting there and we're all of a sudden we got a part and we'll play it four or five times and, and lock it in and record it. And that's pretty much the way, you know, George would be sitting there. I'd walk in the room one day and George is playing his 12 string and he's playing this riff. That was uh, uh, voice noises in this guy, that one. And he was playing the riff and I'm going, Ooh, you got the 12 string out. Let me grab my 12 string bass. And I pull my grab and I said, what are you playing there? and he started playing it, and so I started finding what I need to do, and then Ray comes in, and all of a sudden, he just sits down, and what I love about Ray is Ray doesn't sit down and try to figure out what he wants to do. He sits down. If I come up with a riff, he'll go, oh, I got it. boom, and it's there. It's like, well, let me go back and kind of change this, or maybe, should I do the Tom here instead? Uh-uh. What he does is like, oh, my God. Yeah, Thomas He seems Bridgen like he's a very like chill
0: guy, very much like, uh, the Iceman, kind of like in, uh, you know, nothing but fun. Part. Yeah. Nothing but of...
1: fun. And, and him and George, they, they rib each other so much. I mean, cause when we text each other, we have a three-way all the time and we're, we're always talking in like rail text us and say, Hey, Hey George, how's lunch mom? And George, would go. Oh, we're getting ready to work on our new record, but I, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, I forgot his sing, his singer's name. He's, but he doesn't. He's not speaking to me, you know. And all of a sudden, we go and we start laughing, you know. And it's like that's that's our life. We all or he'll text us about Corn or something. I'll be in town doing a video with Corn. I got a day off. Think we can set up and do a video? You know, go <laughs> okay. And, you know, I mean, it's like I mean, scatterbrain. He got there at six o'clock in the morning before the sun came up, set his drums up with his tech and did his shoot before I even got there. And I got there late and he had to leave at one to go to Bakersfield to do a video or to work on an album or do a video. I can't remember what it was with Corn. That guy, I don't know where he gets his energy. I don't love have it.
0: music. That is the love of music. That is guy. Nothing he's else. He's driven. Else.
1: He says if he's not doing anything for, in ten minutes, he's losing his mind. He's ready. To, so anyway, we're we're getting ready to work on a new record. And that's, that's fantastic. That,
0: that's one of your projects. You got to keep going because they that is oh, a good. Cool. Cutting. Thanks. I love you. I love to hear you guys together. I mean, it's fantastic. I, I, ah,
1: thanks. I hope we can play live sometime. I really do want to do that. That would be great. But and, then there's King X. Oh, man, our new record. Um, I yeah. brought 17 songs in. And Ty and Jerry brought a slew of songs in, too. And, no, I brought 25 songs in. We got 17 songs out of the whole record. We're not going to put them all on the record, but we had a lot to choose from now. And Michael Ponan, who produced it and engineered it, he's mixing it right now. It's going to take a good while because of the pandemic. Um, and the uncertainty of touring and all mm-hmm. that stuff, because this, you know, who knows, at our age, this could be our last record, and we want to do it, right? We don't want to just put it out there in the middle of a pandemic and hope somebody buys it, but we want to put it out, go on tour, do videos. I mean, do it like we're supposed to do it, you know? So so we're, we're telling the fans, our fans, that uh, um, just kind of p- be patient with this, because this is, we really, really... Are uh, hoping that this is as good as Dog Man and 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 Gretchen is what everybody wants, you know, but it's not a rehash of it. In fact, this record doesn't sound like either one. But we, I, I think that we worked really, really hard on this record, like we haven't since the early days, uh, you know, around Gretchen and Dog Man. It's just. I can tell it in the songs how we're all singing and and everybody's contributing to it. Um, you know, they're not just doing my songs and I'm not just doing Thai songs. We're really, Feeling we're good. really putting putting ourselves into it. Yeah, and um, you know, I got some, yeah, I had some pretty crazy songs, uh, time change wise because I've been listening to a lot of Meshuggah and shit like that. And um, it's not King's X, but but that flavor comes in. And and you know, you imagine if John Bonham played with Meshuggah. You know, that's that's that that's kinda You
0: you have a you tone. Know. You you your base you twelve string bass, you have yeah, a certain rig, you, yeah, you, A certain rig uh-huh. you use on everything, you, you have yeah. played it down down notes, it's your voice, yeah. is you.
1: All that stuff. But 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 man Ty and Jerry singing a lot too. And like I tell people it's it's like from from penny lane to to the the heaviest sugar, You know, it's like it's a blend of something in between there and one song to another almost sounds different to the point where almost we're mixing them almost to the point where they're an individual pieces in themselves, like Pink Floyd used to do. Um, we got violins and other okay. things in it. We, you know, I've got some keyboards and all kinds of things to enhance things, piano, nothing overboard, but just like Hendrix did and people like that big things coming in and out that, that gives it that longevity, I would say you know things that you hear that oh wow that's cool, that little thing over there, so we were really spent a lot of time with it, so it 's taken Michael a long time to mix it because whew, he's got a lot of tracks in the summer
0: other... the fall, the things will be better right yeah
1: now. yeah, and so my solar record and Ty's solar record hopefully'll be out, and then you know in this what is it this is winter spring, hopefully we can get ours out by spring because Ty and I both have done solar records and you know, we're not like King's X. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't have to take a long time. King's X is a perfectionist. And, and the magic that King's X creates, it you know, it takes, it takes time. And we don't want to waste that. But our solar records, we both got our solar records done. And I love Ty's record. I can't wait till he puts it out. And, and mine will be out, you know, whatever that period is, 90 days or three months or whatever. I forgot how long it is, but what I'll is let he- you know.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. please let me know. The, what is the small D in a capital U? Is that just because it was cool? I, 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 I'm an
1: artist. I come from a long line of artists. We draw, uh, and my mom draws and she wrote poetry. And my dad draws and he sang, and his whole family did. And his sister was perfect pitch and played the piano when she was three. So I've got all this art in me. And I like to write, my mother can write like a calligraphy per- a calligraph, calligrapher. It's just scary. Yeah. Um, I have a great handwriting, but it's sporadic. And it's, it's like real fancy, but you can't really read it. My mom used to say, I can't read your writing, but hers is <laughs> like a hall. Hers is like, was like a Hallmark card. But anyway, I- runs in the family. I used to draw pictures, draw cartoons. Um, and all of a sudden, the art of drawing is gone. we got computers. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. nobody I mean, kids don't even write with cursive anymore. It just blows my mind. People yep. can't even write. Can't even read it. And oh. and uh, so I'm looking at my name, and I'm typing out D-O-U-G. And I thought, artistically, how can I make this look expressive? Because I have to express myself in everything I do. I've got to put that little thing there. And um, I went, little d big u small g and i typed it up there and i thought that looks cool and i just said what the fuck and i started doing it with no other reason of i just did it because i thought it was cool and after a while it just started to stick and now it's that's it's in the encyclopedia i mean in the you know in the uh on the internet DUG, and i never changed this not legal um all it's a brand though you
0: know that though yeah it's a brand that's what like Um, subconsciously Mm-hmm. It's the, I mean, creative part aside, you look yeah. at that, it's like Coke, not like, you know what I'm saying? But like, yeah. you read yeah. that, it, it, it's become something totally different. That's why I asked you, because it feels like you stumbled across, across something that was like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a brilliant I, little
1: I thing. agree. I agree. And looking back at that, that's exactly what I did. I didn't really realize I was doing it. Because that's the thing about my whole career is, I think I've done a lot of things that by the textbook, but I didn't realize I was doing it. I was just driven. And it was just a logical thing to do. You know, and that to me was like, Oh, this looks cool. I didn't think, oh, that's a marketing technique. But now I look back at and what you're saying, I'm going, Oh yeah, that's yeah. exactly
0: why I did it. That's like a mad men thing, you know? <laughs> yeah,
1: because put that on a t shirt. Oh, cool. You know, that was all in my head, but meticulously I don't I don't think a lot about what I'm doing. And that's been a a good and bad thing in my life. <laughs> and I've been trying to think more about what I do when I do it, because I've gotten myself a lot of trouble with that thinking also. You know, not bad.
0: My motto's always been, you think you stink, so I don't know, I've always to <laughs> <of it. laughs>
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: So, the last two things I want to talk about, mm-hmm. and do it real brief, is you okay. played with two other bands that I mm-hmm. love. You, you, first, well, Live in Color, and, will, mm-hmm. and you, you actually stood in, how awesome is this? I wish I, is there any tapes out there the show? I'd yeah. love to see it. And you, know, you sang with them um, while while Corey did something else. The like fact you have a friendship where bands can kind of do that. That is that is also is, is mm-hmm. so great. Okay. Something. I love when an artist does something totally different. It just it, it can be it sloppy totally... and messy and brilliant mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and different and exciting.
1: Yeah, they 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 play they it's it's weird. They are they play to themselves while King's X o- only listens to each other. Mm-hmm. And the drastic difference was amazing to me. Not in a good or bad way. It was just something I had to get used to. Those guys, they never looked at each other. They never, there was no communication on stage, but they nailed everything. And with King's X, is everything is feeling. I mean, if Ty glitches, we'll stop.
0: You, you guys, know? your sound is a sound together. That's what I'm saying. Like you mm-hmm. all sing together, you yeah. all play together. You guys are together. Whereas, and that's the brilliance of you guys the, mm-hmm. the harmonies, the beatles harmonies, the, the tones, even your guitar stones and your pedals, they all mm-hmm. work together. Yeah. Living color. Has four different sounds, right? All at once, but mm-hmm. it, like literally. Also, you can, each, you can mm-hmm. each track separately and be like and just enjoy it. But to, yeah. but but separately and together, it all works together. That's the mm-hmm. that's the brilliance of them is they can do four different things, yeah. right. and it's four things and one thing.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember and, going on tour with those guys back when Muzz was playing bass, and they would go into these like avant garde jazz fusion pieces that were like in the middle of one you know a regular song off the record mm-hmm. and I'm going these guys understand that aspect of of rock music they brought jazz to it they don't when uh, uh, Doug came along they they don't go into that thing anymore Doug's a different type of bass player yeah but when Muzz is with them they could do straight up jazz I mean just fusion jazz you don't even know where the one is you know <laughs>
0: Another underrated bunch of guys, you know, and, yeah. and Vernon. Yeah, underrated, him. and Corey's voice. I mean, all of them. Just, I, I you know, can't say enough about them. Mm-hmm. All right, so the last piece, my boys, my twenty-four-seven.
1: Yeah, I loved it. Ah, oh,
0: you, you know, a Jimmy's of, the, Jimmy's of the kind. Of,
1: Jimmy's the kind of guy that when I met Jimmy, it was like you met you knew the guy all your life. There was no introduction. There was no anything other than it's like you just felt like you knew each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was amazing, and we've always been that way. We're born on the same day, even though we're not the same age. We're not the same age, but so we have the same birthday. And, um, you know, I never knew much about 24 back in the day because when we were coming out, there was so many metal bands and so much going on, and I was so wrapped up in me and doing King's X and whatever we were trying to do and dealing with all that crap that I never paid a lot of attention to the other bands around us but when I got to meet Jimmy then I started listening and um, then I got to put sing on the record one of the, the records and just getting to know those guys it's just been a, a treat um, mm-hmm. um, Rick is one of the baddest ass bass players I've ever ever known it's like he's just he's got it all and I mean you want to do straight up funk you want to do straight up jazz, you want to do straight up rock that guy just steps up to the plate you know yeah i mean i love him i mean me i just i'm me that's about it you know uh and that's why i love about him is, is this guy can can nail anything and accurately you know i'm the mr sloppy emotional guy who sings and plays bass and it just i slide around everybody you know and that's works that's what king's X. but that's him- hilarious
0: you are not that and he actually puts himself down in a way too he, he talks down with in- <laughs> I don't think I've met a bass player that goes, you know what? I am a bomb. <laughs> Every bass player, you guys all have like self-esteem issues. we need to do like a therapy group together or something. Well, guys. nobody gives
1: us any love. i good enough. Players, We're going to give you bass... an extra
0: string, five strings. That's it. We'll give you more strings. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> bass, players, bass players don't get the love. Um, singers do. Guitar players do. Drummers do. But you don't hear much about bass players. They, they really don't. And it ain't okay. that. It's, there's something wrong with it. But they're, they're the ones that are in the background. And they just, it's always been that way.
0: People, yeah, I agree. I I don't think that way. In fact, you see three this week. You see three Mm -hmm. bands, three bass players in a row.
1: It's well, I'm I'm the singer in the band too. You know, Sting, King's X, Cream. you know any bass player that sings, they they, you don't you you don't look at them as a bass player. You go, oh, that's a bass. You they're, they're always considered the singer, or they'll go singer bass player, but they hardly ever say he's the bass player of the band. They don't. It's like you. They don't even say nothing about. it. I mean, does anybody talk about Sting's bass playing? Never. Do, do we know what he plays through? What strings <laughs> he uses? You yeah. know, you not a word. You know, and that's what that's what gets me. And and same thing with King's X. I mean, I know I've gotten love, and it's and it's good. But I always notice that usually. Across the board, it was always people want to talk about my voice. They hardly ever would. The only people want to talk about bass is Bass Magazine. <laughs> you know, or,
0: <laughs> it's crazy because on your albums, your bass is all over the albums. Like there is just no escaping it. Yeah. If you yeah. don't like your bass, you can't listen to King's X or any of your projects. I know.
1: I I know. Yeah. I, it, it's,
0: it's... To I me, King X was 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 a guitar player, a drummer, and a bass player, and they all sang. That's yep. how I looked at it from the beginning. That's, yep. that's that was it.
1: It's funny because I always think everything that I do, the bass is too loud. But what I realize is that bass just ain't loud enough. And I'm just playing bass it's, like it's, it's supposed to be. That's <laughs> no, good.
0: It is all good, man. Um, I want to thank you, man. This has been, this has been awesome. It's been hilarious. I um, had a good time. Thank you for being the show. Me too.